You're listening to the Super Week Super Weekly Supercast. I'm your host, Evan. And I'm your host, Doc Chris Beglevo Bag. And I am your host, Mikey Paul Jonathan Davis Tashjian. Today we've got the wiggest of all the wigs. Hey. That's it? <laughs> what? It's me. No one can see you. Yeah. I- <laughs> well, except for the viewers. Well, so you say your name. It is I, Melissa Brain. Yes, and you may know Brain from bands such as Amanda X, of course, and Marge, classic Brain band, as well as Quit, currently in Yankee Bluff, Golden Apples, Cave People, and formerly of Bad Heaven, but not concurrently with Evan. I think on, it's a rare instance where our guest was not in a band with Evan at any point. Evan's thinking. I'm trying to think if we okay, ever so <laughs> play together. Brain actually wrote a bunch of drums back when we were doing the, in the sessions for like Jetpack and Ordinary Guy. Brain came mm. and recorded drums on like four or five songs. And then I re-recorded a bunch of them for my solo record that I'm still not done with that I started four years ago. So I haven't tried to cut Brain out. <laughs> oh, no. Brain's getting the credit. <laughs> it's funny because I had just like a vague memory. I'm like, this did happen. It was a New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. And you're like, come over. Worry. Yeah. Come over and record some songs. And uh, and I did. And it was fun. And then I just like never heard them ever. <laughs> oh, we locked them away in the Disney vault. For, yeah. And I was uh, like, what years? happened to them? And then it was so long ago that I... Was like mm, maybe they just never maybe they just sucked <laughs> and I did not do a good job. No, they were sick and <laughs> that's why I took two of the songs yeah. and I was like I'm gonna just redo these because I want to put them on this record because what happened with that session file is I did record vocals and I recorded a bunch of shit on it and then I believe that was taken when my computer got stolen on that Joyce Manor tour. So like I lost all of the work I did on all of that shit up till that point. And I was like, <laughs> fuck this. I'm done with this. And then here we are fucking eight years later or whatever. Well, I'm excited to eventually hear those songs. In yeah, like me too. five I- years, when are you going to put that out? Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me such hard questions on my podcast brain. Yeah. We have like an infinite backlog of stuff that we haven't released. And then we chose to do a podcast and do 50 more songs <laughs> before we release the other shit we haven't finished. Some of them are on this. Most of them. And are, some all of them, are- of them are on this, except for like some of that session. Cause also I'm not going to lie. That session wasn't like the most well recorded uh-huh. session because we were playing live in a room and I'm sure we were like let's just throw up mics and I didn't do anything to it so like listening mm. back to a lot of those songs like I mean Ordinary Guy came out sounding good but there was way less insane shit going on in that room mm-hmm. when that was drummed and that was it that's really the only one that we used from that whole session whole yeah. like 10 song session yeah because we shelved that version of Jetpack too because mm-hmm. we had so many recorded versions of it but anyway this is neither here nor there we are here to talk about Mel Brain today talking about brain's hair <laughs> you know what actually that's before i knew you i knew your hair because your hair was like at like a truly massive iconic. truly yeah. iconic yeah and was, you were bleach blonde yeah too. it was very large very blonde I feel like that's uh everybody i was that person with the hair at the show <laughs> <laughs> and you fit in well with like our circle back then because that was in the dangerous ponies days like early in the, in the dangerous ponies days when we met you yeah I keep like trying to think because I don't remember specifically. Well, you hail from the valley, met. right? 
Yes. The Lehigh Valley for Lehigh our listeners. Valley. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, like, when did you move here? Because how do we, like, how did we meet you? Who was it through? Like, Well, I moved here in 2008 just to go to school. And because I had some friends that moved here, like, the year before. And Nate was going to UArts. And then I was like, oh, I went to Tyler. And so just kind of, like, moved here because people I knew were moving here. And it seemed easy and made sense. And yeah, and then I think like just through Nate and started just going to shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And my old roommate was I think for a brief period of time dating Mm. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see him like every other week and I'm like, I fucking hate that guy. Really? Yep. I haven't even heard of him uh, in I 10 years. I see him years. like on the fucking like art museum steps writing fucking poetry. Oh my God. With a typewriter. I'm like, I'll probably fucking kick you over. Beep the name for yeah, the yeah, defamation yeah, yeah. reasons here. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> <not>. <laughs> <laughs> No. He's like the one person who lived in the warehouse that will like never be on this podcast. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he sucks but anyway for some reason came over to the warehouse and just like saw a bunch of dudes in like a fucking kiddie pool <laughs> i'm like all Checks right out. this is cool <laughs> yeah oh the spaghetti western and spaghetti night kiddie pool where they would sit and eat spaghetti in the pool and this like drop food in it and there was like nasty scum yeah so that's how you food. met peter and mike bell yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then i definitely was there for the wrestling mm-hmm. tracy party i did not know tracy it was just like oh cool party wrestling show that was nuts then yeah i don't know went to a bunch of shows at the model home because like nate nate was in snowing and like they practiced at the model home and then just like started going to a bunch of shows there and then like the warehouse kind of absorbed everybody yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) well it was like the same crew like yeah exactly like jr lived at the model home yeah like the whole alan Vito, all the yeah you know that whole crew of people all of those people were constantly their bands were constantly touring with algernon and all Mm -hmm. the bands at the warehouse so yeah and then somehow i just i just started going to the warehouse constantly (laughs) (laughs) i was like wondering i think like at least like 2011, 2012, I feel like I was just there all the time. Like, I just, like, slept there, like, four nights a week, (laughs) either on, like, the top-tiered yellow couch or in Greg's room when he wasn't Mm -hmm. in there. It's when the garage had, like, the buzzer, Mm -hmm. the doorbell. So so I was like, was it just, like, a weird, like... that it had a doorbell. Yeah, so it could just, like, show up. I wonder if it was just, like, an annoying sitcom neighbor or something, like, buzz, I'm here. I mean, I know that nobody's same way, doing honestly. <laughs> yeah. There's always somebody home yeah exactly and I was like I'm not doing anything I guess I'll just like hang around or like after every single show see what everyone's getting into yeah I mean it's also like yeah everyone went there after every show Mm -hmm. no matter what and it was just like all right well we'll go back here and it will inevitably turn into a party Mm -hmm. yeah I remember plenty of nights where like I would show up to like work on something at night and then there was like 300 people just like hanging out in the warehouse and I was like I'm just I'm just gonna join this party right now instead and yeah. <laughs> just see what kind of weird shit happens or you'd be like hey I gotta go home 
And then you would just like stand there and your eyes would like block <laughs> with the TV and you would just stand there for 40 more minutes. And well, you're like, all right, guys, I'm about to get out of here. <laughs> as I've recently learned, I, I do have formerly undiagnosed ADD. So that's like a, a major contributing factor to the I fact know. that if there was a television on, I am frozen in yeah, front of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even when we would play shows, you, know, like, you would just not even be like really into the show. Like I could see you just watching the TV at the like at the bar. Oh, yeah, dude, that's my move. If they, we <laughs> playing I in a bar with TVs that. I on. fuck up. If I, I don't know about you playing drums, like I, if I don't focus on what I'm doing, like I'm going to mess, like I'm going to mess timing up or like small things. Yeah. Yeah. Something, if, sometimes if I, I like have to catch myself, if my mind just starts like thinking about something stupid or just like unrelated or yeah, you ever look in the crowd or, or anything. I just got to like sing the song in my head or yeah, else or, yeah. I'm going to like, yeah, do a dumb thing. That's all I do is like, uh, yeah. I wonder brain. <laughs> do you think we met you through Marky? I think so because that's when Marky was playing drums for you Mm -hmm. I remember because I like met him and then he yeah was playing drums for you for like that period of time Mm -hmm. and then I think I just like went to some of those shows and then it all kind of Mm -hmm. I mean there was also the show we were we met Mark at was at Ava House with Glockamora chances are you were probably Probably there there. Hopalong played. Yeah. You know, Nate eventually joined Glockamora. Mm-hmm. Small world. Yeah, yeah. And I met Glockamola. Them, yeah, very a long time ago as well. It's hard to think of like when I met anybody. Mm, it's a blur. When people who don't know this group of people, like the music scene, like I mean, it's probably not right to call like this group the music scene, but it's just like <laughs> The extended Big Mama's family or however you want to say it. It's just like, we're talking about all these people and then like they listen to other episodes with different people and then those people come up and it's like, oh, the other day somebody said to me, does everyone just know Chris Deem? <laughs> I was yeah. like, well, yeah. Yeah. But everyone knows. Ev- Eventually you're just like, I don't know how we met. It just happened. Yeah. We were hanging out. Yeah. I think I remember like shows at the model home. I was just so, I don't know. I was so like pumped and eager and I I didn't play music, but I was like so hyped on going to uh, shows and I would be like bothering people be like, did you, did you pay at the door? These guys are going on tour tomorrow. (laughs) You're one of the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) I think because like I didn't play music or I wanted to, but felt like I wasn't there yet or it didn't happen. Or I was honestly like probably just like scared for a very long time that I was like, well, I'll try to just like do all the other stuff and like go to all the shows. And I would just like take pictures all the time and uh, do art. Yeah. Just like draw stuff. And I lived with Sam too from whenever he moved here. It was like maybe like 2009 or 2010. And then Sam started doing record label stuff. So there was always just like stuff around mm-hmm. to do, like music related. Just remember like exactoing, like cutting out stable boys, J cards mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, doing all that fun stuff. So I just wanted to do all Wait, the stuff around did you live at that house? At Ranch? Yeah, at Ranch. Yeah, for five years. Oh, shit. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's where I lived before I um, moved into the warehouse. Yeah, yeah, for five years. For five years. Yeah, it was amazing. It was great. But at the end of five years, I, I did have to get out. I feel like that's how most people feel about the ranch. Yeah, except Sam Rudich. <laughs> well, Sam is the overlord of the yeah. ranch. He is the king of the castle. Well, that was like a largely 
windowless house, right? Or the rooms were windowless or something? I know it was like a dour place to live no, for whatever reason. It's like a row home. It's regular. Yeah, it's, it's regular. There's like two tinier rooms, but it was a pretty regular house. But just like, I don't know, after years of people and cats living there, mm. any place kind of gets a, a little thing. rough. Yeah. Yeah. And we moved in there. We were like fucking 20 years old. <laughs> Sam probably not even, I don't know how old Sam is, but he was probably like 19 or something. But yeah, so we're all like 20 to like 22 year old kids. And so it was shitty. Yeah. <laughs> we were shitty little shits. <laughs> we actually touched upon something that I wanted to ask you about because when you started playing drums in, I guess it was in March was when I was first aware of it. I didn't know that you were a drummer. And now what I'm hearing is that, was that when you first started playing drums or did you learn before? Yeah, I played drums like in marching band throughout my whole life. Well, I guess whatever, like fourth grade to 12th grade. And then I like kind of played drums. Like I had a drum set. I would just like play with my dad. We would play songs in my room and I would kind of do it. I think I like played drums in church once or twice, just like very quietly. Yeah, (laughs) hell yeah. I didn't actually start playing drums. I have a note here here warehouse jam parties (laughs) where it would just be like a party but the studio was set up and then people would just be playing music and then so I would kind of go in sit on the drums for just like a few minutes because it was very like low stakes Mm -hmm. nobody was like would be like oh yeah you fucking suck (laughs) and so I don't think anyone would really do that anyway (laughs) I feel like that was like the first time like playing drums in front of people kind of actually doing it when like the first times the charm thing was going around. I was like, going to fucking do it. I've been like watching my friends playing bands for, I don't know, almost 10 years. And I was like, I want to fucking do it. And I think I'd do it. For anyone who does not know, First Time's the Charm was this really cool program where it was basically if you were not a straight white dude and you've never been in a band or whatever, form a band, write three songs, and then they'll put on like a show and it will be everybody's first show. And so I did that. I think I like posted on Facebook. Okay, I want to play drums. Does anybody want to be in this band with me? And I think Gabby was the first one to be like, yes. And Emily, too. And I knew Emily from Emily's also from the Valley. So we like kind of have known each other for like a long time. And then Aiden was living with Emily in West Philly. And then she was like, Aiden will play bass. And I was like, okay, cool. And then we got together and did it. And my life was changed forever. (laughs) Hell yeah. Really, I could not talk enough about the magic that Marge is. Maybe I probably could have eventually started playing music with people, but the fact that it kind of threw us in, it's like, hey, just like write three songs, here's this show and you will play them. That kind of just like, it was like a really good, cool, like jumpstart. Mm-hmm. A few weeks after that, like Sam Cook Parrot was like, hey, do you want to, does Marge want to play the show with Radiator Hospital? And we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instantly affirming. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was so cool. I think he paid us like 50 bucks at the end of the night and it just like, we were so happy and it like blew our minds. <laughs> yeah, that rocks. Took us years to get paid 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty sick. Yeah, I think they were just like, yeah, being nice, be like, hey, this is your first like real show here and you got paid for it. So then it kind of just kept going. I think after that, it was, 
I don't know, sometime like the next year, Chris was like, I'm moving to Philly. And then he's like, do you want to start a band? And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then me and Chris just like started jamming. And then like Tim joined and then that was cool. And then Phil was just around hanging out. And then so Phil was like, I'll play guitar too. So that was really fun. The band was really good. It was, it was cool. And it was funny. Like basically Chris, like playing his crazy ass guitar parts, like all like noodle crazy shit. And he's like, dude, all of this shit, you could just play in four, four. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, so I just played loud, simple drums to like these insane guitar parts. And it was really fun. Yeah. It's like the John Bonham method. Like (laughs) he was playing four, four over cashmere, even though that's in like whatever crazy time signature that's in. And it, it grooves so much harder because of that. Yeah. And then that that was the first time I brought me on my first tour, mm. <laughs> if you could call it that. It was like that weekend with Thin Lips. Is Quit and Thin Lips? Quit and Thin Lips. And then Mike Kuhn also came. Ripping. And so like 94 played. Wow. I do remember that. Yeah. Like one or like a, some of the shows. And then I think Mike did like a NAS set in Lancaster or something. So that was my first little taste. And it was fun. Like classically, our first show was in Connecticut and we got there four hours late. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. checks out. Yeah. <laughs> and we got there and it's like the first. And then we all just like people were kind of just like hanging around. And then we all like set up and played for like 10 minutes each. It's fucking amazing. That was the weekend <laughs> spoken about in a previous episode. The fart that made Mike puke everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, when Christine yeah, trapped Mike in the, the storm doors yeah. or something. Yeah, and you got locked in with Chris's fart. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh my god, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, 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 me too. I was like, now I have dreams and like goals in life. Yeah, Mikey <laughs> aspires to have yeah. a fart like that. Yeah, I still haven't. Or like, you ever see a cat make that like throw up face. Oh, like the hairball face? I don't know. I like watched a cat like smell a pickle or something and it was just like like, <laughs> I was like, wow. If I could do, like, I farted my cat every morning when I wake up. Like, I have to fart when I walk out of my door. And I'm waiting for the day. But uh, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I looked at a cat smell a pickle. <laughs> yeah. In a brain melter video. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like that you're comparing Mike to a cat. But even more so, I like that you're comparing Christine's ass to a pickle. <laughs> That's my takeaway. That's a good weekend. It was really fun. But now you're touring in like every band. Well, I guess not touring now because yeah. uh, everything is, you know, the whole COVID thing. But you're in, I don't even remember how long that list was that I read. That was like yeah. eight bands or something. Yeah. So just like it's currently three active and I would guess like two passive. Uh, Amanda X is doing stuff. Yeah. And then Cave People and Golden Apples, which are most of the same people are in. Pretty much just in. the same band. It's almost the same band. You just take Cave People, take Dave out, and then you add Matt Sherman and Justin Fox and you got Golden Apples. Mm-hmm. Both are very sick and fun to play in. No tours. Well, Golden Apples and Marge are going on a weekend tour in January. Ooh, Big nice. Marge reunion? Yeah. When was the last time Marge played? I think Barrett's birthday at Johnny Brenda's. Mm-hmm. We come back if there's like a cool show, mm-hmm. then we'll just be like, yeah, sure, we'll play that. <laughs> we get asked stuff like Nate's going away party. It's like, yeah, fuck Marge will play. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then Baird's birthday, a couple random things here and there. Well, that's cool. You but, have like a legendary status now where they pull you out yeah, of retirement yeah. for one more show. Marge yeah. never dies. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Whoa, the the long-awaited Marge album, Marge Never Dies. Oh, yeah. That'd be amazing if we could, like, get together and write more songs. We are trying to record one song that has never seen the light of day, only played live. So hopefully that comes out and we can, like, release it before the little weekend tour. Cool. So then Marge is coming back, and then Yankee Bluff also never dies. So that's always kind of in the back pocket. I don't think that's ever going to die. Yeah, it's yeah. just, like, the two main songwriters literally live 3,000 miles apart. Yeah, so. it's true, but you know, once in a while, just get that text, and I get extremely <laughs> happy. I'm like, hell yeah! It's happening! Well, that Golden Apples Yankee Bluff show just a few weeks ago was like so sick, and speaking of it never dying, initially it was going to be in the meadow yeah. in, in FDR Park, or is it, uh, yeah, that's also in FDR Park, right? Yeah. But it was rained out, and so they had a set built, and everybody just chipped in. We all just like grabbed chunks of the set, tore it apart, and took it under 95 and just like set the show back up and it was incredible under there like you know Craig did his projections mm-hmm. and the set was built and then it was just I don't know it was a beautiful time I think that was the first show that I went to since COVID yeah that was like the first show that I played since COVID started so it was like emotionally it felt like such a big deal to me and I'm sure like lots of people and it was like this big thing it was the first show that like Golden Apples played with this lineup at all I don't know I was very like nervous and it's like the weather was kind of like shitty and Yankee Bluff just like had one practice that afternoon. <laughs> you couldn't tell. You guys were <laughs> yeah, basically it's tour like, tight. I feel like it's, you know, a lot of those songs are just like ingrained. Mm-hmm. When we play like Agassi, I'm, I'm always like, I could just like play this with my eyes closed, like <laughs> half asleep, which felt really, really amazing. Like when we practice, it's like, when's the last time we played a show? I have no idea. Probably the Walmart Beach show mm-hmm. which was I guess two years ago but then like we got in the practice room and then we just started and we're like damn that sounded pretty good <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that show just seeing everybody just like pack everything up and move it to the skate park and then people kind of got the idea and like lots of people showed up and it looked so cool fucking Craig and Darby like really made it look amazing and just like setting up the crazy wall and like the streamers and everything oh yeah the and projection screen was yeah. all it was sliced up so yeah. it was like moving in the wind so it gave it this extra layer of depth to the projections on it it was really cool yeah. it was really cool yeah it was cool Yankee Bluff Golden Apples and then like Mimi and Cat played and that was awesome it just felt it felt so fucking special and yeah. cool it was a beautiful yeah beautiful thing it was the best like welcome back yeah. or whatever well, Mimi and Cat, they also covered a Smashing Pumpkins song that night, too, right? I'm trying to remember which one it was. Oh, yeah. Which is perfect. Because, like, you, obviously, years ago, we recorded Year of Glad. And while we were working on that with Mimi, I even said to her then, I was like, you are like Billy Corgan to me. <laughs> like, you have this, like, Billy Corgan quality, and I absolutely love it. And so finally getting to see her sing a Smashing Pumpkins song, I was like, this is my day. This yeah. is for me. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it works so beautifully. Yeah, it's perfect. Brian, you got a list over there. Oh, yeah. What's on your list? I have things that, like, sentiments (laughs) I wanted wanted to mention. The first one, I feel like I have to always have, like, a dumb, like, preface to me as, like, a musician. Where, in my brain, I'm like, I know I'm not amazing (laughs) at, like, playing drums. Come on. And it's like, I know that. and But it's, like, still my favorite thing to do and like the most fun thing that like ever out of the gate i'm going to dispute that because (laughs) i think you're 
awesome at drums and you not just hold it down, but you have like a very distinct recognizable style and like being idiosyncratic as a drummer and like that recognizable and interesting is like a skill into itself. And you need to like give yourself more credit. <laughs> like you're limited, like, or not even limited. I don't think you're, you have limitations. Like you found your niche and yeah. you're great at it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've told this to a bunch of people. I feel like if you asked, I'd say like, I call it philosophically tazzed. <laughs> Um, <laughs> where <laughs> where if you ask him he probably has no recollection of this because it was just like randomly at a show that I played and he was at and I was like I don't know do I like you know maybe just like take lessons or like try to like learn cool fancy stuff or whatever and he was like fuck that do what you do and get really fucking good at doing that and you're you're good and Yo, I was like is that right. <laughs> and I'm like that's what I've done <laughs> I'm yeah, like absolutely <laughs> I consider myself utilitarian drummer. (laughs) I mean, you definitely, you know, on the song we're going to listen to in this episode, you fucking came into the studio and you're just like, you know, I'm going to fucking plow through this. I'm a machine. (laughs) You you just nailed it. You know, you You did in like three or four takes or something. It was, yeah, it it was a breeze. Yeah. I I do my homework when I'm trying to uh, learn a song, which I've been like doing when like, People like Dave or Russell and stuff, they're like, we, I have these songs and they're already like written and either like a demo or recorded already. So I take that and I write down, I have probably a bunch of notes in here where I write down like everything that happens in the song. And I don't know, I just take a bunch of notes and then like play it and like listen to it constantly. And I try to do all that I can <laughs> before, because I don't want to make a fool of myself, be like, I know this front and back before. That's amazing starting. because as somebody that has played in a million bands for a million years and is almost never that prepared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he admits it. Uh, most of the other people also aren't that prepared. Mm-hmm. So when somebody comes to a rehearsal or a recording session or anything and is prepared, I'm always like, oh my God, you are an angel. You are <laughs> God's gift to the green earth. And I value that. I'm very much the same way where like mm-hmm. I'm obsessive about being prepared, especially yeah. like, for a while I was getting hired by bands just to like fill in on tour and I had to like learn like 20 songs or something depending on how much they wanted to rotate out. So I appreciate that massively, especially for a drummer mm-hmm. because so often, especially mm-hmm. new drummers, they aren't necessarily thinking about like the songwriting structure. There's something like, oh, how can I fit like the tech stuff that I know mm-hmm. into this song and they're just like gluing in things that don't necessarily like match the feel or the direction <laughs> or the the arrangement monkeys chuckling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like hearing ba- I'm just hearing like out of place drum fills in my brain. <laughs> I'm just like that doesn't go there. Yeah, exactly. I mean that's a pretty common affliction for new drummers and out of the gate. Like that's why I was saying like when you were playing in March already, I was like, how long has Brain been playing <laughs> yeah. drums? Because you just know how to fit into the song and like you understand the direction and the arrangement of the song. Mm-hmm. And it's because you do your homework, which is yeah. way more important <laughs> than any like amount of rudiments or whatever. Serving the song is the most important thing any musician can do, yeah. especially a drummer. That's what I've always just like try to do. Just like play to the song. And it's like, yeah, guitar does, I go da 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 da. 
<laughs> the listener can't see the amazing <laughs> pantomime that's happening on the couch right now. Well, yeah, I, I don't really like to do a bunch of fancy stuff and I don't know, a lot of it I'm like, well, I never figured out how to do weird, crazy stuff. You know, I throw some stuff in there like once in a while. Oh, yeah. Keep it straightforward and you do what's necessary. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I'll like do a little fun thing here. I go back and forth all the time about using a rack tom. I still don't think I I like actually. I've never seen you use one. I've never done it. But I think about it like sometimes. I'm like, oh, you do like a little (laughs) some like tom action. Like a build maybe? A what? Like a build. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even the way you're kind of pantomiming now, too, you're doing it as if it's your floor time and your crash symbol. Which is like the ideal Weezer build too. Uh huh. Patrick Wilson. His build is just like, well, I guess he's even usually simpler, where it's just ride, snare, and kick is every build. But if not that, or it's crash and floor time. Mm-hmm. It's crash and floor time. It's yeah. yeah. It's all the same. So you don't need that extra one. Building the intensity. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I need it. It's not (laughs) flamming is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the pattern and it's not the flam, so it's a build. Those are your three options. (laughs) I love a good flam, though. You're just like, just like one snare flam. I can't, I can't. (laughs) Chef's kiss. I've really struggled with that one. It's like a punk side that I never... (laughs) Oh, the single flam? Do you not do that? I don't know. Like, when people get just like, creative and comfortable with like a three like a mm-hmm. or even and you know just like and they start messing around with that and then they just like like watching like like i said before in the podcast watching kayleen the first time and like i listened to mannequin pussy before going to see them for the first time and the recordings weren't really good so i was like i didn't expect anything that really happened and I, like i didn't expect it to be very good, honestly. I, I, I don't know if kayleen played on the first she didn't play until romantic the record, yeah. record that we did so those early ones, I think, were no, Thanasi, right? And then, yeah, oh no, she did one. She did one record. She did do one when they, when they had no bass. Right. There was a record where it's as a three piece. By the way, she hadn't played on that. So, but then she sat down and like just did like really uh, like simple things, just like kick snare tom and just like different variations of it, and it just sounded like so ripping. And it was just like a warm up, yeah, but like a warm up that I don't have in me. Mm-hmm. But it's simple. It's not overly complicated. It's just like how you put the note, like how you yeah. hit these simple beats in rhythm with each other. It's like... Kayleen's also amazing. I also mm-hmm. was just like, when I think about like how me playing drums and, you know, my whatever level that I'm at, I just like have like a list of just like, oh, all of these amazing drummers in Philadelphia who I like know personally and it's like 10 people. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, read that list off for us. Who do you have on there? Um, well, we have Mikey. Oh, we you. have Kayleen. Mm-hmm. And then I got Marky, Taza, Pat Breyer, Pat Conaboy, mm-hmm. Dan Angel, mm-hmm. Tom Kelly, Sean Halleck. Some of them have moved out of Philadelphia mm-hmm. at this point, which I guess makes me look better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're scaring them off. They're intimidated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Climbing the ranks. But yeah. and like those are all people that like I just know personally, like not even counting all the people that, that I don't too. know. So oh many. also Jarrett Nathan. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I told him the, the other day, I was like, I think you are genuinely one of the greatest drummers of all time. He's insane. Yeah, it's so it's funny. Like how good he is. we are we are complete opposites in like our style he's just like so much so fast but he's like so technically like proficient Mm -hmm. it's like it's insane it's so bonkers to watch but that's also why it's so effective when he does it he's also someone who really appreciates the structure and the Mm -hmm. arrangement of the song yeah so even though he's doing crazy tech shit he's like thinking about like how does this fit in 
into this part? How does this lead into the next part? Yeah. And when, when we were like put our quarantine record together, the Super Weeks one that he played on, because for yeah, full disclosure, listener, he's he's the roommate of Evan and I. And he had an episode. They know. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> and just in case there's a new listener, always always looking out. But he had some suggestions for us, like for like key changes and shit. And we're like, hey, hey, that's not drummer <laughs> stuff. Like, what do you think you're doing right now? But it's like, oh no, that's like that's right. And it's again that understanding of the composition is what is truly what makes him a good drummer. And not just that technical skill. Yeah. So I think you have the same trait. And Mikey does as well. I'm, I'm being rude. <laughs> oh, get out of here. My whole Instagram mm-hmm. feed over Fest weekend was just like people having videos of Jarrett. Mm-hmm. That was just like, what the fuck? And I'm like, well, <laughs> there he is. <laughs> There's that old Jarrett Nathan on the drums. <laughs> Yeah, he's like a living explosion. Got a lot of good drummers in Philly. Got a lot of good musicians in Philly. Got a lot of good yeah. bands in Philly. Yeah. Got a lot of rich history. Yeah. A lot of the times it's like, oh, my favorite records and my favorite music is just like the shit my friends make because it's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I always have that when people ask me, because we work on records and they're like, oh, what bands are you listening to now? That are inspiring you. And it's like, it's always just a, a list of our friends. Yeah. Like whichever one of our friends put out the most recent record. I'm like, either them or, or Carly Rae Jepsen. Those are like my two <laughs> yeah. columns that I choose from. Dogs on acid. <laughs> it's been a while since they put out a record though. Yeah. It's still great. And I listen to it all the fucking time. Yankee Bluff covered a Dogs on Acid song. For, what? Yeah. The one show, it was Pat Graham's birthday. Space 1026. I think it was like, oh, Pat loves this record. We should play a Dogs on Acid song. <laughs> Which one did you and play? And we played. Da, na, na. No, oh. that was bad. I like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The one with the. Uh, it's yeah, the vocals doing the guitar line together. Nard, you keep in touch. The whatever that song's. I forget. I'm a bit bad with like the song name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was it. Spirit of the Beav. I actually realized I was singing a Weezer song. <laughs> Make it easy. Is that what it's called? It, maybe. Whatever. It's yeah. Great whatever. Song. We played and it was fun. And I was like doing like the Taza. <laughs> she was just like one and like the ones and threes do, and just ka, like do, yeah yeah yeah. Do, ka, do, ka. Oh yeah. And it was fun. That's fucking. And sick. you don't need fancy though. Meat and potato no. of drum fills. And, you know, just if you want to call it drum fills. Yeah. I know you're not a fan of the term. (laughs) (laughs) Patterns, flams, and builds. That's it. Those are the rules. I like flams. Ever since I saw Tank play the drums, Mm -hmm. Tank always did that just kick and snare flam. Like, Uh I feel like all the time just cut, cut, Mm -hmm. cut, 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 cut. And I can just like see his face. I always love that shit. Ever since then, I know you guys were talking about flams before. You gave a, a nice chef's kiss about them, and I yeah. was like, "Hell yeah, chef's kiss!" Just like, flam. just like, just like a loud, loud snare, snare flam. Yeah. Oh, forget! It's great. <laughs> Rock is great. Fun tank should also be on that list. It's literally it's too, it's impossible. Too many. Yeah, Jr. Yeah, fucking, mm, yeah, yeah. In the bands that we've talked about, in the people that grew up in the valley, that yeah, too many. Yeah, yeah too Jr. Many. Just like. Just thinking of just like all my friends, they all have like the distinct drum style. You can feel it with like all of them. Like Tank Mike playing Kim. drums is one. Tazza and oh, his yeah. like dunk cock or like the, <laughs> I love the, the Tazza gallop. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, and then Jr. doing with all the stuff hits, with the ding. All the, yeah. All the <laughs> yeah, it's the corn bell yeah, hits. Don't, yeah. don't forget Mike Coon's madness as well. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Speaking of exploding oh drummers, yeah. yeah, Mike Coon. Watching him play drums, even like when I met him and like when I didn't really know him, it just like blew my mind. And he was just I don't know. Felt like a. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. A powerful. I was like, wow, you can throw up from playing drums. Yeah, yeah that's what I was gonna <laughs> say. Yeah. The wow. first time I saw '94 was at maybe South by or something, and Mike threw up during that set. Yeah, it was so bonkers. Every '94 set filled me with such like emotion, mm-hmm. and yeah, Mike it felt like this like drum guru or, or something. And, and then like when we did that like little weekend tour, it just felt really cool. It's like oh, this is like the first time I've ever gone on tour and like 94 is also playing and it just like it felt really good and like affirming and then also Chris and Mike are great people and great friends yeah. that is a funny thing because I, I knew of 94 before I met them mm-hmm. and so I assumed that they were going to be like hard dudes yeah because <laughs> it's like kind of hard yeah, music yeah. but they're like the most like sweetest like gentlest men of all time mm-hmm. it was real just like i couldn't wrap my head around it at first yeah it's the most intense music made by two very intense people mm-hmm. who are like not that kind of intense yeah like the literal sense of gentle men <laughs> they're physically intense yeah they're inside tense Yes. A little camping humor for all the outdoorsmen out there. Speaking of the outdoors, let's listen to this week's song. Yeah, woo! Not even a segue. (laughs) Are segues the things you stand on and ride? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Another day spent all alone. Ignoring the vibrating phone In every way you're overgrown It's easy when you're stoned You took a beat out in the street And boss a groove there in your seat You're inert and on repeat Settled into quarantine
When we were listening to the song, Brain said, Chris, what'd you write this one about? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a very pertinent question because this is a song that I essentially forgotten that I wrote that Evan had me pull out of the annals of my garbage songs that I... None of this is true. This is not how this happened. Uh, okay, well, I, mean, I guess I'm mistaken, but the song, the lyrics initially were about when I actually lived in the model home, <laughs> we had like a serious mouse infestation and I wrote about the mice pooping on everything. And so when it came time for the song to be brought out into the world, I was like, well, I can't sing about mouse shit. I have to sing about something else. Mouse shit, very relatable though. That's true. Totally. Maybe more relatable than the actual subject of the song now too, but I just, I couldn't quite commit to the turds. But yeah, I just wrote about like misery and quarantine and how I would use it as an excuse to keep being miserable. Cause I was like, well, everyone's just miserable anyway. So mm-hmm. it's fine to just like lean into it. But it's because uh, of mouse shit that they're miserable. <laughs> some of them, I'm sure some of them. It's kind of a flipping the script on myself and being like, no. You don't get to be miserable anymore. Stop making excuses for yourself. And that's that's the idea. You've cleaned up the mouse shit. I'm sorry. I'll stop. <laughs> like he is fixated. <laughs> I'm done. I'm really done. Uh, Sake also very relatable subject matter. It's funny talking shit on Phil's and I did do a, a couple, but they're just like the most simplest things ever. Oh, the <laughs> got to do got to oh, yeah. your fucking, fucking stadium rock. It serves it, you know? Yeah, it for does. a brief window that we became Guns and Roses. <laughs> yeah. And I forgot, I insisted on Recording tambourine. Oh, I love that played out too because we were like, you finished the drums and we're mm-hmm. like, all right, thanks, Brain. That was great. See you later. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. I, I have a shaker and a tambourine. Can I, can I just lay some more stuff? Like, yeah, dude, of course. You're like, I had an idea for this part of the song. Yeah. And we were like, oh, totally. Yeah, I love love laying down some tambo and some, some egg. I love laying egg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whenever, it's like whenever I talk about like the Cave People record that we recorded in June, I'm like, yeah, but I was really proud of my egg work. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, so it feels I, I, really good when it like, it's like when you kind of like nail it or at least yeah. like stayed steady enough throughout the verse yeah, for the, yeah. <laughs> well that's what they had a designated percussionist for like Motown yeah I guess they're also doing everything live but like they knew they needed somebody who was like an absolute pro because really it doesn't translate it's not like playing marching band you're like most of that's with sticks you mm-hmm. know even if you're wearing the drum kit on yourself a percussion like each percussion instrument is like a unique weird motion mm-hmm and you were crushing it with all of them. <laughs> you really have to surrender yourself to the egg or yeah. tambo. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's why Evan is a, I build him first when people ask like what instruments that he plays, like first and foremost as, as a tambourinist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got a very dedicated like level of practice when it comes to it, or at least an expectation of precision from himself as an end result. So I just do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also, most of the time, drummers leave recordings before. You usually don't. Yeah, no, I want to be around for all of it. (laughs) Most drummers are like, all right, I play drums. I'll see you when the record's done. (laughs) You know, the guitar players are like, I fucking don't even know what a tambourine looks like. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And they're like, yeah, go in there and just do the tambourine. So that's why I play the tambourine a lot. Yeah. But I also love it and also would put it on every part of every song if I could. (laughs) With Motown, but I can't. Well, I guess I can. So yeah. Maybe I will. <laughs> Uh-oh, this is the birth of a monster. It sounds great on, like, most things when, like, a fucking tambo comes in. You, yeah. like, fucking like, love mm. it. Yeah. It shimmers, bends yeah. up the groove. <laughs> yeah, everything's good about that. 
That's why in some of those old Motown recordings too, it's just like vocals on the top of the mix, tambourine closely <laughs> yeah. behind it, and then in the distance there's a band. It's like <laughs> that's the heart of the of the groove right there is the tambo. Hell yeah. It's sick. Shout out Noah playing bass on it. Oh yes. One of our few interns that we had at Big Mamas. <laughs> he's he's stuck around with us and he uh he played bass on this and, a, and another song that's gonna come up in a few weeks. Yeah. So thank you, Noah. No effects. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. Cool, good punk name. No effects. Noah. Fex. Fex. Yeah. F-E-X. Last name F-E-X. Yeah. <laughs> In my head, I was like, oh, yeah, I nailed it. And then when I said it, I was like, oh, I kind of wanted to make that a little more. No, I think you nailed that it. Was that was good. Perfect. It was good. Yeah. yeah. It just sounded like I said no effects. This <laughs> 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 is not well, what I was going. Speaking Noah. of uh, places that are filled with mouse shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You eventually moved in to the warehouse. Yes. After many years of just essentially living at the warehouse. (laughs) I was kind of, like I said before, like kind of ready to move out of ranch. And then I heard there was an opening. I think like Joe posted on Facebook or something. And I was like, who me? And then there was a meeting of sorts. And uh, I was accepted. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure the meeting went along the lines of this. Brady wants to move in. Is that chill? And everyone's like, she doesn't live here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I moved in. I took Tiff's room. You had the coveted balcony spot. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool up there. Yeah, and I lived there for three years. And it was great. I mean, until it wasn't, but it was mostly really great. Mm -hmm. And because I lived there, I was just like thinking when I was trying to like note meeting people and like playing music with people, all of it is just like this like snowball (laughs) effect of just meeting, moving into the warehouse and all of this stuff like this happened because of this and this happened because of this and this wouldn't have happened because of that. I mean, I feel like I joined Amanda X because... Because Tiff moved to New York and then like I was just there. <laughs> and, in Tiff's room. Yeah. yeah, in Tiff's room. And Kat texted me, was like, hey, do you want to play drums for like this tour that we like have booked? And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. And that was six years ago. (laughs) Damn. You played with the Vaselines too, right? No. Oh, that was before? I think that was before. The first tour I did was with Proto Martyr. Yeah, still amazing. Um, Who we're playing with in two weeks. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, fucking A. Yeah. Because you're still in the Rolodex there, the Proto Martyr Rolodex. What's the date? November 17th. November 17th, everyone go to Underground Arts. Amanda X and Proto Martyr. It's going to be really cool. Very exciting. That's a day. But yeah, so I knew Kat, obviously, from, you know, just like being at the warehouse and like shows and stuff. We weren't like close, close at all. So it's like me moving there, joined Amanda X, became friends with Kat and Kat, became friends with like everybody. Me and Keon mentioned this like sometimes. It's like I didn't even really know Keon before I moved in and we moved in kind of like at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, he's in Ted Nugent because I like knew Travis because Travis lived at Ranch for a little bit of time. Ted Nugent did that video. And then he did that video in our living room. 
One of my favorite videos of all time. Oh, for my body is a temple of doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, it great was stuff. fun, and that was really goofy. I remember like the amount of times Sam jumped over the railing. <laughs> <laughs> Sam fucking grabbing what was it, Jurassic Park, and putting a different Jurassic Park DVD into the DVD yeah. player. Yeah, maybe that, or it might have been Speed because I remember oh, we had maybe it was we had minimum three copies of Speed on VHS. It was just like a thing. If we saw Speed on VHS, we would just buy it. Yeah. It was a really good film. Bit. Yeah. I haven't watched that video in a long time. We should do that when we're done. Speed. <laughs> we should do no, speed. No, watch the Ted Nugent <laughs> music video. But yeah, so I didn't really like know Keon at all. I like kind of knew Craig from just like Temple. Mm-hmm. Then just like throughout living there, now they're like two of my best friends. Mm-hmm. We hang out all the time. Me and Keon playing multiple bands now. Keon um, filled in on bass for a March show. Whoa. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's like officially a member. Uh, <laughs> we've had two shows. One time Bear filled mm-hmm. in on bass. And one time Keon filled in on bass. Those are the, the only two. It's so sick just living there. And all the people who lived there throughout. There was like, I think, a good number <laughs> rolled through throughout like my my tenure mm-hmm. well I guess like Peter was leaving when mm-hmm. I was coming in because Craig was in the cabin mm-hmm. and then Craig moved into Peter's room mm-hmm. and Keon moved into the cabin oh, yeah, I forgot Keon was up mm-hmm. there yeah Mikey moved into Joe's room yeah I think Tosh yeah. moved into my room maybe yeah right at that time yeah, yeah. it took like I don't know months for Greg to get all his stuff out so it felt it's like he was like years, years. <laughs> to get all his stuff out and by that I mean it's still not all out yeah when we came in Kat was still living there Kyle was still living there for a little bit while mm-hmm. I was there and Joe and Jackie were still in there for a bit and then it was like a lot of them moved out and then it was our new school do you remember what month you moved in May 2015 I think we overlapped for Four months. Four, four months. But that was also, we did like a ton of touring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was when we did the brand new tour because Keon came on that tour yeah. with us. And Keon was so stoked to move into the warehouse. And then I lived with him for a month and then I moved out. Yeah. <laughs> it was very funny. Speaking of Keon, I was talking to him last night specifically about the brand new tour. And he was like, oh yeah, I was so excited to join you guys on the road because you're on tour with these huge bands. So I assume that you're just like longtime road dogs. Obviously, you know, it's now like that was our first tour where we were playing to more than 300 people mm-hmm. on the show. And it was such a great thing that he was there because he's just such a positive and like fun and, and like sweet presence. We like, love the boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had his shorts rolled up. Do you remember this era of Keon with the rolled up shorts and the and high the socks? socks? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? And a sweatband. He had a sweatband where he pushed his hair oh back. Oh my yeah. God, yeah. Such Long a Long hair Keon. What a fucking time. Mm-hmm. When they left, we kind of had Big Mama's new school. <laughs> new era. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, uh, well, maybe Big Mama's The Next Generation, if you will. Yeah, truly. Wow, the fact that you guys have not talked about Star Trek in, like, an hour of recording. (laughs) Well, we're trying to not alienate you guys. That's pretty much all we talk about when we hang out normally, so. All right, keep going. Yes, so Big Mama's The Next Generation. (laughs) Well, who was the Jean-Luc Picard of Big Mama's if he was the next gen? Who do you think was the captain? Craig. Craig. It was Craig, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 I see it, I see it. Yeah, yeah. Craig definitely. um, He's also got some great biceps, much like (laughs) Lady. Era Picard. <laughs> Which member of the next gen was Keon? Oh. Beverly um, Crusher? Oh. <laughs> I want to say, like, Keon, it would be like a fun Riker 
Just because I could see him just like doing stuff like uh, playing trombone or something. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. I guess Evan's the Riker in, in that case because he plays trombone and has a has a nice beard. Or like Pierce. Mm-hmm. Or Pierce. Mm-hmm. But the real burning question here is, Brain, who are you of the Next Generation crew? I feel like I know the answer that you want to say. Just say I mean, I know who like I want to be. I know who you want to be. And it's Jordy the Forge. It's Jordy the Forge. Yeah, yeah. 100%. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, Jordy was like very cool, but also, you know, nerdy and like. He a ton of heart. Yeah. And he was the person who saw that humanity in Data. He was Data's best friend, despite Mm -hmm. him being an android. Oh, he switched over to Apple, I guess, then. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Classic Tajan bit right there. We just got tashed. It's hurting my brain too much to attach people. I'm like, this is something mm. that I would have to think about and make lists about and then really like we'll have to have work back hard to like the follow up, the next gen mm-hmm. uh, assignment mm-hmm. version. You don't think you would be maybe a, a Beverly Crusher type, sort of the, the stabilizing presence while being in the peripheries of the story? I guess some of that does like lend itself to shit I do. Or which are you is the war? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I um I, I make no waves. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. But I could envision you at one point if you know the costuming was was correct saying, I am not a merry man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm getting into some yeah. real deep cut next gen yeah. shit now. I gotta I gotta pull back. <laughs> So you lived at the warehouse. I lived at the warehouse. It wasn't a spaceship. Uh, no, it was a big old space and it was really cool. Like I said, I just like hung out there forever. It felt great. There was like so many times where I was like, man, this is just fucking awesome. And a lot of times like after a show or when Craig did like a like Cinematech or we were just like kind of hanging around somebody comes out of the room and they're like you want to like play a game of pool and then like four of us drink some beers and like play pool and Mm -hmm. listen to music and swing on the swing it was like those times where it was just like fuck i love this (laughs) (laughs) and then yeah and then also just like lend itself so easily to playing music like having a space to practice also even sometimes when Keon set up like the room under his room as like a practice space mm-hmm. there's usually like my drums or like Keon's drums or like some drums just always set up mm-hmm. and then so sometimes when we were just like hanging out and be like do you guys want to just want to like jam for 20 minutes and then we just like do some dumb shit and it was really <laughs> yeah, fun <laughs> so all of that stuff and hanging out in the garage, as mentioned, in the dark, in the candlelight, playing Fat Cat because <laughs> the Pico bills <laughs> never paid. Yeah, that was that was all a mess, and then sometimes you know we just didn't have power for like a day, and it would be really frustrating and be like fuck because it was either usually really hot or really cold, and then most of the rooms didn't have windows, <laughs> so <laughs> you couldn't like hang out in there anyway unless you just wanted to hang out in the pitch black so then we would all like kind of hang out together you when it was miserable it felt better when we could be miserable together mm-hmm. which is why i think towards the end everybody felt like a little more separated so when things mm. sucked it just like it just sucked and then there was no like i don't know we weren't sitting in the shit together so yeah it wasn't like a unifying experience yeah it was just yeah. like just dealing with things like separately that got really annoying when it was time it was time but 
I don't know. I another thing like all the bands and like all the people is just like just thinking about all like all the memories, <laughs> just all the all the nice times and all the people that it brought me to, and all the cool shit I got to do because of the place and you know learning things, meeting people. Just getting to do cool shit because I either like lived there or had friends there and got to do cool shit like hang out at a party and then play drums in front of people mm. and then decide to start a band. And then join another band when yeah. you lived there. Yeah. Then joined a million joined more bands. bands. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all because of that freaking stupid ass warehouse. It's not stupid. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> Don't worry, there's plenty of days where I, I would call it the stupid-ass warehouse. Yeah, yeah, case, so. yeah. It was so good. If I think too hard about it, I'm going to get real sad. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the beauty of this podcast. Is yeah. One, one, we edit it, so if we get too sad, we can cut it out. <laughs> yeah. But also, it's about like you know rehashing the really beautiful and positive things about it. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, like we were awarded a unique community that was like so supportive and creative. Mm-hmm. And everybody's energy, like their creative energy was pouring into everybody else to like make more creative things. And it was this like constant cycle that was building all of us up to be more creative. And I think we're very fortunate to have had that unique, crazy experience that mm-hmm. felt so normal every day. Yeah, Like we were just so accustomed to expecting it to be like that. And a bunch of the best bands and best musicians to ever come out of Philadelphia came out of that place because of that. Mm-hmm. Went to Algernon shows, be like, oh yeah, dude, this is this is sick. And then now Peter is like one of my closest friends and I get to play music with him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, that's so sick. <laughs> yeah, that was always, for me too, you know, when I moved into the warehouse, I was like, I get to play music with these people. Yeah. That's so sick. It's so cool. People who are like really good at writing songs, writing songs. I'm like, I can't do it. Blows my mind that people can do it. And it goes from like nothing to like, there's a song. I'm like, how does that happen? And then like hearing songs like recorded, I was like, what? How did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) It's so cool. And now you've probably played on like a hundred songs. I've I've played on like a, I don't know. I wouldn't say a hundred, but a decent amount. Yeah. I mean, I try to do as much as I can. (laughs) You have a song, I'll play drums on it. You just heard it, folks. Yeah. (laughs) And then call Brain to play drums on your songs. Yeah, except, I don't know, it's kind of, it's a, it's a busy time <laughs> now, now that I, Take now number, that I, 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 I decided, uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's just funny just doing nothing for two years and then doing a whole bunch of stuff. Feels insane, right? It does feel insane. And I'm like, yes, I do want to do it as much as I can, especially make up for lost time. But uh, yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh shit, this is a lot of, a lot of band practice <laughs> for, <laughs> for one week, but it's cool. And I'm, I'm very lucky that my friends asked me to play music with them because it's so cool and fun. And I love band practice. And so I had a note about that one of the best things is when you're kind of drunk at band practice. <laughs> because you could just like do whatever and it feels so cool. And like you like nail the songs because you're not worrying about anything. It's like, oh, it's fine if I fuck up so you don't fuck up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's just the most fun thing in the world. Great. Yeah. Playing drums is the coolest fucking thing ever. 
I can relate, but just with weed. I'm not, I'm not a drinker. <laughs> yeah. If I drank at band practice, it would throw me off. Mm-hmm. But it, also, if you didn't smoke weed at band practice, that would also throw you off. When I'm in that worse. smoky pocket by myself. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes me think of when we would start songs and you would play different songs oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at practice. Yeah, because like we'd hear the count off and get alarmed immediately because like, that's not the right tempo or time signature. And then you would just like blast into it and you get like at least three or four measures in and then like look up and look around like, Oh yeah. No oh, one's what? doing anything. Yeah. yeah. But I can't hear you guys. Cause uh, you're in that smoky pocket. The smoky yeah. pocket. Yeah. No, that's a good feeling. Yeah. I like band practice. I was playing drums at practice the other day and I was like, man, this is the best one. <laughs> I can just just instrument. Like- yeah. Oh, see, I always feel that way about bass. I've only played drums in like two bands probably 12 years ago. So it's not really a, a familiar skill set anymore. But whenever I pick up a bass, I'm like, this is the one. It just like, it feels right. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying with Agassi, when you get to that point where you can just turn your brain off mm-hmm. and just like, be in that moment. Also, you're like using both legs in your hands and like you don't have to use all your fingers mm-hmm. and shit. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, holding the drumsticks, whatever. But like mostly I'm just hitting things. <laughs> yeah, it's cathartic. Oh, it's just the best. For me, like, and I think Brandon can maybe relate to this. If I don't do my homework, though. There's like so much anxiety that comes along with it. Because if you don't feel prepared or something, you're not yeah. like ready for something, especially when you get thrown into a live show and you're like, but we haven't really practiced yet. And it's like, but we're going to play the show. It doesn't matter. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's why for a lot of throughout like practices and stuff, I'll be like, okay, I got to like look at my notes or like have them to glance at to like a certain point. See, here they are. These are right. all my notes. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of detail. But then it's like, you know, you get to a point where like, okay, I'm just looking at these because they're in front of me. I don't actually need them. So getting to the point where you're not worried about like, shit, what happens later in this song? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> How many verses? I was uh, getting into notes as well. I really, I don't feel like a drummer anymore. I feel like I can't even remember my last show and I, I don't have any plans to play any shows. Like, I don't. Do you play? Just. I do. I have set up drums at my house, but like I. I haven't really played even like I would say a real snare drum. Like mm-hmm. the snare drum is beat lugs are missing and it doesn't feel like a snare. And I think I still <laughs> have all real drums. So I'll try to get them for my sister. It'll probably feel really good when you do. Though. I'm a, fr- yeah, I don't know. You'll be fine. You're good. I feel like I'm going to like be emotional. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, dude. Of course. Yeah. But drumming's part of your DNA. You're like, a it's machine. Click. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're I'm also afraid. a machine. I don't know. When we played the, like, videos... For Teenage Blob, yeah, the live videos that we did. Yeah, you just, like, turned it on, and it was perfect. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, how do I play in this band with people who are just, like, consistently perfect, and I'm, like, <laughs> getting, like, a 35% every <laughs> song? <laughs> yeah, if Evan was playing Guitar Hero, it would just be, like, the <laughs> sound for, like, 80% of the... <laughs> Sounds like that most of the time. <laughs> But that's because I'm having a good time rocking. Mm-hmm. I don't care about notes. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck notes. Yeah, that's my job. I'll that's, all the notes that you miss. That's why I like playing drums. <laughs> yeah. I don't know shit about notes. I'm pretty sure I'm just like tone deaf. I can't. You've sang on some records. Yeah, but I've just, I've yelled in a room on some records. <laughs> yeah, and a number of those records were our records too. Yeah. From Dangerous Ponies through the Super Weeks. I know, I just say, I'll give you a flat drum. And I hit it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, so I'm not tuning this to A. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean, Evan does that shit, but like, I'm, so here's a flat drum. 
You make the drums sound good. You make the drum. Your drums always sound amazing. Yeah, it's funny because I bought my drum set from Nick Tazza a bunch of years ago after he like didn't want to sell it or like was thinking about selling it or said he was selling it and then just like wouldn't because he didn't want to or he liked the drums too much. And then I, I was just like, come on, sell them to me. So I bought them and he's like... The head on the floor, Tom, has not been changed in years. And I still have not changed the <laughs> the head of that floor, Tom. It's not saying you just go, don't. And it's um, fine. It looks gnarly as hell. And so thinking th- however many years, Tazza did not change it. And then I haven't changed it for... Five, six? Yeah, probably, maybe even more. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know when I bought those drums. It might have been like at least, okay, at least six years. Let me tell you, it sounds good. I've recorded it many times. Yeah. <laughs> I need new kick heads. And I've changed the snare heads a couple times. But yeah, I don't know anything about like, oh, this is like, I think Kyle tuned my drum and he like was hitting the piano key. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> ah. I could not put those together or know that they're the same at all. I'm like, okay, this sounds kind of good. Or like, they're all kind of in the same area. Yeah, general of realm. General yeah. realm. Yeah. yeah. When I was at Bad Heaven practice the other night, I got there before John and Katie. So it was just me and Chris. And like, Chris was like, I'm going to go take a shower. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to tune the drums to D and G mm-hmm. because all of John's songs are in D and G. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is going to sound great. And like, that was just for me. Yeah. Because nobody else is going to be like, wow, those toms are tuned to D and G. <laughs> yeah. Or those toms are tuned to resonate perfectly with the song. And yeah. I was just like, this is going to be really nice for me. And I'm going to spend my time doing that. Yeah. If I was smart or just had it in myself to learn that shit, that would probably be a cool thing to do. But I just go whack. <laughs> I mean, if it sounds good, it sounds good. It yeah. doesn't matter. But it's one of those things where I'm like, I have a lot of time on my hands right this moment because mm-hmm. the one person I yeah. can talk to is in the bathroom and I don't want to scroll on my phone. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, I learned how to do that shit for recording. Yeah. And now I'm just like fascinated. With mm-hmm. it. it is cool. And it's probably just like a thing that no one would notice. But it's like, oh, this drum's just like are sitting in this song so well. <laughs> I like it. It's a nice little fun time for me. Look, I love You're drums. You're getting like whistles. Drums are cool. <laughs> we all love drums. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> especially, yeah, I appreciate the sound of a, of a nicely tuned drum as well. Yeah. I just oh. don't care to do that <laughs> proficiently. I'll get ballparky, like Bram was mm-hmm. saying. Like, these notes are all hanging out at the same show, but... <laughs> <laughs> Your drums always sounded great. Your drums always sound great. Thank you, Tazza, for selling me that beautiful Slingerling kit. That said, you <laughs> left that high tom at the warehouse for even yeah. years after you moved out of the yeah, warehouse. Yeah, because I don't know what I'm... It now just sits at the practice space because I'm like, well, it's there. Yeah, I would record it but sometimes. I don't touch it. Yeah. When it was at the warehouse, it was just laying there. I was like, Chris and I had that one Ludwig drum kit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know... Other bands would borrow our drums and we would go in and be like, oh, the high tom doesn't have a head on it all of a sudden. Or like, mm-hmm. this one has a hole in it. And I'm like, oh, let me just go get brains. Yeah. Tom, it always sounds good. I was on your same progression as well. I, I was floor tom for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. I never saw the need for high tom. You were also no legs on the kick drum for years. And your drum set consisted of parts from 
my kit, Evan's kit, and Chrissy's kit. I, too. I didn't even have drums. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like before I knew it, I had like I don't know fourteen cymbals and like two drum kits and like five broken snares that I never took never took care of. But <laughs> I'm just thinking of. Do you remember Mikey's room at the warehouse where he had the stacks of broken snare drums and toms? In yeah, the there was just like piles of things, and then just like the mattress, just like up against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like piles of drums. Yeah, literal piles. And then, it like, and the carpet was just stick splinters. <laughs> are, we talking, are we talking about Joe's room? Yeah, yeah. my last room. Yeah. Not the small one. That one didn't count. Oh, the... Pierce's? Yeah, mm-hmm. the... um. Oh, the corner room that they shared a wall with the garage. I forgot that you yeah. even lived in that room for any amount of time. The interloper room. It's like people either just stayed in there for a few months or they stayed in there for a few months before they moved into another room. Yes, exactly. It was the trial Process. period. They yeah. were Pierce yeah. and they like fully lived in it. Yeah. Or Matt. Oh, yes. <laughs> and the warehouse is processing you. Yeah, yeah. it's like the delousing room or whatever. Can you live next to the garage? <laughs> yeah. That was hard. Mm-hmm. Like working and there were like party nights and just being like, I have to fucking get up and move people tomorrow morning. And I remember like just laying there and like, and I'm like, I don't want to be this guy that like yeah. goes out there and yells at people. It's not cool. This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> not to mention if like, if you yell at somebody, it's legitimately scary. <laughs> <laughs> I never had that problem living at the warehouse. Yeah. But Evan, you, you like deafened yourself at such an early age by just <laughs> blasting both of your ears with massive amps constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like up high in a way. So usually when there was like party time, it was just muffled enough where it like was like far enough away that it didn't really bother me. Yeah, you could escape to the law. So yeah, people yeah. aren't even on the same. It was only you, like yeah. when, you know, there was like four bands practicing at one time or something where I was like, oh, this is kind of rough. <laughs> But uh, that wouldn't like go too late. I feel like at a certain point when people were playing like in the warehouse, we're like cut it at eleven. <laughs> Pat made the ten o'clock rule. Ten o'clock? I feel like it was like eleven, but I but also yeah, they all worked at Honey's, so I get it. Pat made the ten o'clock rule, and then when we talked to him about it on the podcast, Pat was like, I never did that. Yeah, I think like Pat and Phil both worked at Honey's at the time period, so. Mm. Early mornings, yeah. Early mornings, yeah. Well, speaking of work, you're also a certified bean freak, just like Evan. You're Yeah, I've worked at Elixir for also like six years or something. It's cool. It's the best beans in the city. The coffee's so good. You're still there? Yeah, I'm still there. It's the best coffee. It's really good. I like working there. Which one are you vibing right now? The past few weeks, I'm trying to like switch it up. I just like this past weekend, I was like fucking with the Mercedes. You just got all of the coffees. Which ones have you been liking? What's the one that was, it looks like El Scorcho, but it's not El Scorcho? Oh, El Socorro. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Russell and Mimi, I gave them a bag and they're like, we kind of like looked at it. We thought it said El Scorcho and it was like a fun <laughs> Weezer thing. <laughs> I've looked at that bag every day this week and just laughed to myself every morning because I'm just, you know, just chuckling like El Scorcho. I've only tried that one, which is the Guatemalan, I believe. And then I tried the Costa Rican. That's what we have on right now. And that one is fire. What color is it? 
I don't know. I'm just like, what's the back look like? They all look the same. I just like forget the little names. Is we had the yeah. Juan Felipe. I always Socorro, just I only Cabale. look at the origin. I'm never gonna remember the names. Yeah. I'm never gonna remember the farm. Oh, I can smell coffee right now. I also <laughs> got some decaf. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That Why? Was, uh, because I want to drink coffee fucking 48 hours a day. <laughs> Wait <and> a minute. <laughs> I can't. Do you drink coffee at night? I. Put like cold brew in, in this cake, right? and I ate it at like six thirty, and I'm probably never gonna sleep again. Yeah, if I have coffee past one p.m., that's it. My night's fucked. Yeah, we're sensitive old men now. I gotta wake up at five tomorrow. Work at the market. There's no fucking way I'm getting to bed before three thirty. I've been fucking with melatonin gummies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. A few times. Yo, that cherry juice, natural melatonin. Really? Yeah, and that's why I'm feeling very chill right now. Nice. Oh, is that why? Yeah. Yeah, I wake up in the middle of the night every night. It's like Ripley. Also, she uh, just like gets still up. Ripping? Yeah, she's still <laughs> rip rips. <laughs> this is Brain's dog, of course, that we're talking about. Uh, yes. The a beautiful creature named after Ellen Ripley, yes. the Alien franchise. Very much so. Um, but I don't know. She gets up and like repositions like five times in the night, and I'm like, I like have to hold up the blanket so she can like curl under. Oh. And so sometimes like this morning after the wild party, me and Chris were at last night, (laughs) I like woke up at like 5 a.m. and then was just awake for a while. Oh, classic wild Evan went to the kitchen and uh, retrieved the bag of elixir beans. This is like an old standby. We get this every year. Oh, dude, it is fucking great. It's so incredibly balanced as a cup for me. That's sorry to go back into bean world. Sick. I'm glad you like it. This is your next generation. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. happy to let you oh, do it. That one. I mean, that's all I've tried so far. Just those two. Yeah. I loved the Guatemalan. It was bright. It was punchy. It was fruity. Loved it. This one very much more balanced, more muted, just super even tasting. I love it. Here's what I'll say in favor of Elixir. I have no taste whatsoever. Yeah, I just coffee's want- coffee. I just want the brown water that makes me go fast. That's, yeah. that's all that matters to me. I'll drink any diner coffee. But the first time I had a cup of elixir coffee, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is better than the other stuff. Yeah. I can actually tell this shit is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but coffee's great. Yeah. Work, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Jobs are dumb. No one should have to have Drums them. are cool. Drums are cool. Jobs are fucking stupid. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Agreed. We shouldn't have to have jobs. What else you got on your list? It's pretty much like kind of all I got on my list. Do you want to talk about Star Trek now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so. I No, I haven't like watched any of the new shit. I was going to ask. Because I watched the first season and a half of Enterprise, I think. Because like, I got a free trial. What was it on Paramount Plus, I think? Is that what it's on? But you watch Picard. I watched like half of Picard. Like I've been a bad Star Trek fan, but whatever. That doesn't matter. Yeah. I go back to watch like random next gen episodes because it like it's makes my insides feel good. Yeah. It's like getting into a warm bath in yeah. so many ways. Because one, all of the acting and directing choices are just like so gentle. And there's, yeah. that was one of Gene Roddenberry's rules is mm-hmm. that they should almost never have interpersonal strife between the crew. And it should be like all external experiential things that are causing the problems because mm-hmm. it's a utopian society. They've solved everything. They don't need money. Speaking of uh, not needing jobs anymore, yeah. they can just replicate food. Mm-hmm. And it's just about like scientific intrigue and trying to explore the universe and make, 
things a better place. Yeah. Except is that Worf gets pissed at Riker because Riker won't kill him. Because when, like, Worf gets his, like, legs broken or something and he's, like, paralyzed. And he's like, Riker, you're my friend. You can't fucking kill me. And then he won't do it because he's his friend. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. love each other. But I'm, like, just thinking interpersonal strife. But, yeah, Next Gen... I recently rewatched the like the Four Lights episodes. Oh yeah, with the Kardashians and the kidnap <laughs> yeah. Picard. Yeah. Oh my God, it's such a legendary app. Yeah. What's like the guy who comes and is like replacing Picard? Oh, like um, he's like an evil like Star Command guy, kind of. He's like an incompetent and pushy. Yeah. I can't remember his I name. I forget his name. He's a guy from RoboCop. Yeah, he's a famous character. Actor. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome, but he's just like perfect dick. Yeah. Perfect he's foil such a dick. Picard yeah. too. It's so clearly ruffling everyone's feathers. Next Gen sits in this really interesting place where it's like very progressive in a lot of ways, especially for its time, but then also a big step back in some ways. Like I always think about how original series, like the crew is international, Mm -hmm. like diverse. Um, I mean, obviously they had a fake Russian Chekhov with nuclear vessels and all of that. And Scotty was a Canadian actor, right? Um, I forget his name off the top of my head. They have a diverse cast for Next Gen, Mm -hmm. but every person of color cast member is not just like standard human. Uh huh. Like Jordy is blind and he has a visor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael Dorn, who plays Worf, is a Klingon. He's Mm -hmm. not a human. And then even like Whoopi, who's Guinan. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like some other immortal alien species with no eyebrows. And that's, mm-hmm. she had to shave her eyebrows off for that role over and over again. And that, so now she just doesn't have eyebrows anymore. She has an EGOT, but no eyebrows. Uh, what's his name? The Scottish guy who ran the teleporters. What oh, is- O'Brien. O'Brien. His O'Brien's wife. wife. Yeah. Yeah. Keiko. 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 Yeah. And she's East Asian amongst her specifically. Mm-hmm. So there's like some diversity there, but it's all like very much either they're not standard human or it's like periphery stuff, which is weird. Cause I'm, I'm sure they likely weren't even thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, it was just like nineties television. Right. It was all very white. Right. But let's get to the real deal. The greatest next gen episode is the one where the enterprise is docked for like some sort of maintenance and they have to evacuate the ship and some space pirates get onto the ship while Picard is oh, the only oh, is one it, left. And then there's like the scan is slowly right. going through yeah, the yeah. ship. Yeah. I remember like specifically watching that episode. And I think like Picard goes back into his office because he just like has a crossbow in there or something. The reason he, he goes back onto the ship because they don't even know the pirates are there. Yeah. He's going to Earth because he's on vacation and he wants to like go horseback riding. And uh-huh. he wants his specific oh, he saddle. saddle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like, wait, you use a saddle on the holodeck when you're on the ship? And he was like, well, they can't simulate a perfect saddle. You have to break it in yourself. <laughs> and one of the space pirates is a guy who's then on either DS9 or Voyager. Oh, as the same character? No, I think it's like a different character. Oh, damn. I forget. I but don't know how to recycle Google this. actors for sure. For yeah, yeah. But it's like, I think it's like he was like in a one-off role and then like later... They're just like, just forget that he was on this like tiny That's, little thing. Peter Capaldi was on Doctor Who before he became the Doctor. So it, it's oh, been really? known to happen. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, that was a standout episode because it's just like an action episode. There was as much action as I could do. 
Because like it's usually about like you know utopia and scientific discovery and mm-hmm. like and like what humanity can aspire to. But in that episode, Picard just like has a fucking crossbow and he's taking care of business. Yeah, and it's so sick. It's so sick. That one I love the dream one where Data keeps having the fucked up dreams. Oh, that's yeah, a fun classic. Dreams that Union soon placed in his head, right? Where like if I remember, Deanna Troy is a human cake at one yes, point, and everyone's yes. eating parts um, of her, like a mint peptide cake or something, <laughs> and they they eat her. And I mean, obviously, like the Darmok. Oh, at Tanagra, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Temba, his arms wide. Yeah, that's another <laughs> yes. unbelievable episode. <laughs> Mikey is being so patient with us, Evan. Now. <laughs> I have one of the, whatever, I forget his name, the other captain's name. Mm-hmm. I have an action figure of him. Oh, yeah, that's true. You have an amazing I have action a, figure collection of next-gen characters. I have a large Star Trek action figure. I have Guinan. I have um, Worf and Alexander in their Western outfits. Oh, yes. From one of the holodeck episodes. Is there anyone you don't have? I feel like there's a... I've been looking for... I forget who I've been looking for. I just picked up some Ferengis at a flea market in Connecticut. (laughs) And you even have like uh, a fencing... Who is... Oh, yeah. I have Picard and Q and they have fencing swords and you press buttons on their back and they go... Yeah, real fencing action where their arms are swinging rapidly in like a tight circle. Yeah, the one party, when I get drunk, I get into show and tell mode and I'm, guys, guys, (laughs) look at my toys. (laughs) Isn't my stuff cool? There's like a... Star Trek store. I think it has like set pieces and stuff like that. It's uh, near Ticonderoga in like upstate New York. The pencil no. company? I gotta make a field trip. Yeah. No, I'm That in. sounds awesome. I'm pretty sure it's there. It's like on vacation that we drove by. I'm pretty sure it was like near Lake George. But we oh. drove by like two years in a row and I remember thinking my old roommate Kevin shot loves Star Trek. Damn, yeah. Get us the details on that. Yeah. It's will- legit. Yeah, it's 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 for y'all. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if they have the one rocky crag they use for every alien planet <laughs> with different lighting there. <laughs> oh, do you know what would be... I'm wondering if I have like a, a specifically Locutus action figure. Oh, yes. That's, of course, for the listener if you haven't turned the podcast <laughs> off already. <laughs> that is when Picard is... Uh, I forget what the word is they use for it. Assimilated. He's assimilated. Thank you. Into the Borg. Yeah, I was thinking like, that's what the Cybermen on Doctor Who say, but I guess they both say assimilate. I am Locutus of Borg. Yes. Resistance is futile. Who doesn't have a number? I said, I guess from technically the- the, Wait, (laughs) Remember Hugh? Hugh? Oh, Hugh. Oh, well, he defects from the Borg. Yes. Right. And so he's named afterwards. I think that name is given to him, isn't it? Or does he choose Um, it himself? Yeah. It's like something where he's like, they're saying like you or something. He's like, we are Hugh. It's like you. (laughs) Yes. It's very funny. Yeah, but yeah, next gen, pop on next gen or fucking cheers and my <laughs> body is in a warm blanket. <laughs> Do you have all the cheers action figures? No, <laughs> I have a sweatshirt. Norm complete with bar stool. <laughs> <laughs> I almost, I fucked up. I saw a cheers board game at the flea market thrift store spot down the street from my house and I did not buy it because a I was cheers like. cheers board game? Yeah. Is it like. Clue, but with Cheers characters. Yeah, it was like kind of like trivia, and I was like, "Who am I gonna play this with?" It's specific oh, man, things yeah. about specific episodes. I did go to the Cheers bar in Boston. Oh shit! That did was fun. Know your name? No, but I made cave people. I was like, we were playing in Boston. It was like, yeah, the first tour. That's kind of like 
how I joined Cave People because Dave asked me to go on that tour. And I think like our last show was Boston. I was like, guys, can we please go to Cheers? <laughs> and Spencer was like all about it. He's like, hell yeah, let's go. And it was really cool. I got a mug and yeah, it was fun. I took some pictures. <laughs> That's awesome. Is it yeah. a mug like like a coffee mug or is it like a... Yeah, it's just a coffee mug that says Cheers Boston. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. That's still sick. Yeah. I thought maybe you got like a... Like a... What's the word Like I'm a little for? beer mug yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. That would be cool. There's just like, yeah, a, a bunch of merch and a bunch of photos all around. Oh, so is like, it not like a functional a- bar? No, there is like a bar space. There's like that weird thing where there's like two Cheers... And one is the inside and one's like the outside. It's weird and confusing. There was like a bar inside of Cheers that just functions as like a bar. Like they sell like food. A bar and I think I've been yeah, there, yeah. actually. Yeah, but we were like, okay, we're, we're not doing that. Just kind of wanted to like peek around. And I think they had like one kind of closed off section that was kind of like the bar, but it's... Right where like their stools were, were like... Yeah, but I think there was just like another location... That I think was more of like the interior shit. Who's your favorite character of Cheers? Jordy LaForge. <laughs> no. Um, Not a valid answer, Chris. <laughs> it would probably be Carla or Norm or Sam. There was a coffee ordered that um, was just, the, the name was Sam Malone. Wow. And Yeah. So I just, complete stranger. I'm sure he's gotten jokes about it like a million times, depending on how old he is. Mm-hmm. He might have no idea. But I did write, like, I put a little arrow and I wrote Mayday. <laughs> Sam Mayday Malone. Um, and so hopefully he got that joke. That one stranger. I wonder if they're like, what the fuck? What yeah. does Mayday mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Specifically for like biplanes going down, right? That's what they yeah, yell into the radio in their final moments. Cool. Cheers, Star Trek. Oh, and to confirm, Star Trek original series set tour in Ticonderoga, New York. Okay, you have it. I we guess gotta we have go. Oh, Ticonderoga? Really? Yeah. That's like fucking 10 minutes from Ben Weinshank's house. It's so cute there. I know. Sounds like we got a weekend ahead of us. Yeah, just got to book a tour. <laughs> it brings I go to Ben's to... house like every month. Really? Yeah, we should just go to How just far come away to is it? Like, Two hours. Like five hours. Five hours. That is a long time. But yeah, let's fucking go. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. I'm in. I would love to do that. Seems like a great place to wrap up. Yeah. We're all going to Ticonderoga. Chris. Woo! Take us on our journey. That was me trying to transition into the outro. No, no, no. We have to do plugs. Hold yeah, on a second. That's Blunt? what I was, I was doing. Well, we're making plans for the future. So no, speaking- no, 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 no. <laughs> God damn it, Evan. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> okay, so, Brain, if people want to find you on the internet and catch up to... Let me start over. Brain. <laughs> <laughs> we're, this is the worst we've ever done to this. <laughs> Brain. Yes. We're going to go to Ticonderoga. Yes. So, uh, do you have anything you... <laughs> Plugs. Speaking of looking forward to plans in the future, if the fans want to find more brain where you're going to be next, where should they look? Okay. If you want to Instagram, whatever, I'm like wig brain on everything, which is wig with a H in there. You figure out where. Um, Like the political party. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. Listen to Amanda X and Cave People and Golden Apples. Music will be, you know, released in somewhat the future of all those bands. So go to these shows. 
(laughs) (laughs) November 14th at Original 13. It's a cider bar. Oh, the cider place. I just played there. Yeah, it's nice. On American Street, um, November 14th to see Golden Apples play. And then on November 17th, go to the aforementioned show at Underground Arts with Amanda X and Proto Martyr. And I think that's all the, the gigs. So go to that, listen to all those bands, um, listen to just all my friends' bands because they're just really good. Yank Bluff. Yeah, Yankee Bluff, listen to that record. Listen to Nate's solo record, oh which God. is oh, yeah. one so of my good. favorites. What the hell, Nate? I know. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, uh, Nate, if you're listening, we're holding you off the podcast because we want... No, I'm not even going to say anything. <laughs> Nate, Nate's been furious with us that we haven't had him on already, so whenever I see him, he demands that he has an episode. Well, we'll have you on, Nate. Don't you worry. You're in the future. Hey, Nate, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, anything to say directly to Nate because we're podcasting <laughs> just to him right now? Let buds by guns be buds by guns. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been listening to Super Weekly Supercast. Yes. I got half of it, That's right? That's two thirds of it. Yeah, yeah. Nailed it. Um, yeah, with your hosts, Evan Bernard, Chris Baglivo, <laughs> Mikey Paul, Jonathan Davis Tajin, <laughs> and your guest, me, Melissa Brain. Oh, yes. Well, that was, that was a cool outro. Yeah. Yeah. Way better than we've ever done. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Brain. Yeah, thank you, Brain. Thank yes, you, Brain. thank you for having me. Hey, what up, Brain? It's Mikey T. Mikey Blunt. The guy playing Major's Price. Just calling to ask you about your band. See when your next show is. Standing here with Mr. Reinhardt and Mr. Bernard. And we were just, you know, you had been brought up. And we were all just wondering when your next show might be. Because we'd all like to catch it. Let me know.